Welcome to Urban Planning is Not Boring. I'm Sam. And I'm Nat. Hello. Hi. How are you? I'm great. How are you doing? I'm exhausted, but doing well. Good. It has been kicking my booty. Yeah, likewise, but it's all worth it in the end. <laughs> yeah. Um. So... We're going to dive right in because we have a really exciting guest on the podcast today. We have Chrissy Kilborn, who you all might know as Passionate Planning on Instagram. She is a career coach specifically for planners. And we just thought that this would be super helpful because a lot of our audience is younger in the in the field, um, in school still, or kind of in the job hunt. And so Christy, we would love if you could tell us a little bit about how you ended up in this role, kind of niche role as a planning career coach. Thanks so much, Sam and Nat for having me on. Um, That is a really great question. Um, So I did work in the public sector in local government as a planner for most of my career up until fairly recently. I moved around um, from contract to contract initially. That was just the state of the job market um, when I graduated. Um, And then since I worked in the public sector, there wasn't always the opportunity for me to progress um, at the timing of when I would have liked to progress Um, So often that meant I had to go outside of the um, immediate organization that I was working for in order to seek opportunities um, to grow as well. Um, And so this sort of over time tended to make me as often the go-to for peer advice Um, when the people that I worked with were considering changing jobs, um, they knew that I knew someone or I had been through an interview process recently or looked for, um, advice or that type of thing. I was also very active in volunteering, Mm -hmm. um, in the planning profession. So, um, in addition to, um, working in a few different workplaces, Um, and volunteering, I was able to grow a pretty big um, network over over my time as well. So um, I would sometimes be asked to introduce people to other people, um, or when I heard what some of my colleagues were interested in, or some of the students that were working um, in my organization, when I heard what their interests were, I was like, oh, you know, you should really talk talk to this person um as well and so um also just lots of planners or aspiring planners would um for whatever reason reach out to me on linkedin for coffee chats or for support um i'm very much a yes person (laughs) and so so i would always say yeah no problem let's let's chat um and just looking at my own career i was always really blessed with having great managers along the way and this is something that I only realized later on that most people don't actually have that same experience. Um, My managers always took the time um, to explain things to me, to give me guidance and support. Um, They challenged me as well. They gave me a lot of responsibility, um, but they also let me um, make some mistakes and learn along the way. 
Um, and one manager in particular told me in a performance review one time, um, because I was sort of feeling a bit stuck with where I was at the moment. I'm like, okay, what is like one thing I could do that would make like the biggest impact, like something I could work on, um, that type of thing. And, um, she said, definitely the biggest thing you could do. And at the time I was taking some, um, management training for non-managers. Um, so it was part of that process. Um, and at the time, um, you know, she said the biggest impact that she thought I could um, have would be through mentoring others. Hmm. Um, and I think she thought, uh, you know, she been in the workplace <laughs> there. Um, but um, when I get feedback, I, I tend to like to go all in. <laughs> so... <laughs> So um, that was that sort of gave me the permission to go ahead. Um, I, I had always looked for professional development support and there weren't any um, career coaches out there. Um, although shout out to um, Gigi the planner who some of you might know who also mm -hmm. does some career coaching um, work too, because she, um, has been doing that work in that space too. But apart from that, there wasn't too much, um, out there in the planning, planning area. Yeah. Um, and as practitioners, I feel like, um, a lot of the focus for planners is on the practice of planning and less on the people side. So like planning over the planner, um, as a sidebar, I really like um, Rick Wilson's work, um, who's a prof out of Cal Poly Pomona um, and uh, has published quite a lot through APA on career development. So I know even in my coaching work, I rely and I refer to a lot of um, Rick's stuff um, as well. And um, fun fact, um, I'm Canadian and Dr. Wilson has some roots in Canada as well. He did his undergraduate degree in planning at the University of Waterloo near Toronto, um, which is where I'm currently studying my PhD in planning as well. Um, but um, I really feel that happy and well-supported planners can help to create the best outcomes for the communities that they're working in. Um, if you have planners who aren't well supported um, or who are unengaged or uninspired in the work that they're doing, um, or, you know, they could just be not in the right roles mm -hmm. either. Um, and if that's the case, there are also impacts for, for the communities in which we're working and they're not getting the best, you know, our best selves um, either. So um, I think our work as planners is important um, and the planner is just as important as the planning. Um, so that's just a little bit about my path um, and how I got to um, ending up working in career coaching. Um, through my coaching work, I have been privileged to work with um, now in the hundreds of planners and aspiring planners from across the US um, and Canada, as well as a few other places um, in the world and all at different stages of their careers, um, as well as um, I also do work with planning schools um, and planning employers, some of the more progressive ones mm -hmm. I've worked with. Um, so I, but I do still keep a foot um, in the practice side of planning. That was really important to me through a little bit of consulting work. Um, I'm still very active in volunteering in the profession mm -hmm. and then through teaching as well. 
That's amazing. And I really think that what you said earlier, just about how it's so significant that planners have the support and resources because if we aren't getting support, we're not able to do our jobs to the best of our ability. And so that that really resonated with me. And I, I really appreciate that you said that and that that's your focal point, um, because I do think it's really important to emphasize that. And, you know, Sam and I are constantly talking on the podcast about, you know, what planning is in terms of career, you know, what do planners do? Who, you know, who do we work with and on what level? And so we're kind of hoping that you could essentially touch upon the spectrum of jobs in planning and hoping that we could just have a conversation about, you know, public sector versus private sector versus nonprofit. If there are other kind of avenues to get into planning that maybe weren't mentioned in those three categories, if you could just kind of touch upon that and and we can have a discussion about that. We'd love to hear from you about that. For sure. And planning is such a such a broad field. And that's why it can be very difficult to um, for, for people to understand what is a planner and what does a planner do um, as well. So as you mentioned, there are roles for planners in the public sector, um, in the private sector, as well as uh, that do nonprofit work too. Um, the focus tends to be on traditional capital P planning roles, <laughs> land use planning, city planner, doing development review, or a planning consultant representing a developer. Um, those are the, the jobs that tend to get the attention, um, but there is a really huge world beyond that. Um, so I would encourage you to think about um, different areas of planning. You know, certainly there's uh, transportation planning, real estate development, policy and long range planning work. Um, there's historic preservation, there's environmental planning, um, and so on and so on and so on um, that you could get into. And there are opportunities in these areas, like even take transportation planning, for example, there are opportunities in transportation planning in the public sector, in the private sector, and in the nonprofit Mm-hmm. sector. Um, and I think, um, you know, it, it can definitely be good to get out to conferences to meet people. Um, and I think you'd be surprised to learn what type of planning work they actually do um, when you ask them. And while there are certainly a lot of local government planners um, out there, um, as I said, there really is something for everyone in planning. You know, if you want to work on many projects across many different areas or something um, really very um, niche working on one or two major projects or even types of planning. So like resort planning, exclusively (laughs) planning resorts. Um, I've chatted with um, planners who plan Walmarts and they're a Walmart planner um, or telecommunications planner um, who plans for um, telecommunications. Um, I have a client um, who's worked for quite some time in airport planning. Um, So you can also blend some personal passions (laughs) with your your career as well in some of these areas. Um, And then even um, another um, coaching client who I've worked with who works in um, digital equity. So making sure everyone has access to the internet um, 
as well, or um, other planners who work in uh, more in public engagement in the public engagement area. And what's important to note is that their job title isn't always planner. It could be project manager. It could be policy analyst. Um, there's so many different titles um, that these planning jobs can pop up under. Um, so often I tell people looking for jobs, you know, don't narrowly search out planner as the job title that you're looking for. Like sometimes broadening that to keywords um, like, you know, planning degree or something like that may pop up these other um, jobs where um, they require a degree in one of a number of different disciplines and planning is very interdisciplinary as well. Um, so even if you don't have a planning degree, but you're interested in planning, there may be planning related roles that you can get into um, with a related degree, environmental studies, geography, political studies um, yeah. Yeah. And, and as well. Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely something that Sam and I, like Sam comes from environmental studies background. I was public policy. So I do feel like there's a lot of opportunity to enter the space of planning without having that traditional like planning degree because mm -hmm. there are very few colleges that I'm aware of that offer undergrad planning degrees, uh, at least in the state of California. So yeah, I definitely think that's, that's a great point to make. <laughs> Yeah, it's also, I was just going to say, I was at the APA California conference like a couple or now a while ago at the beginning of October. And I met someone who worked in planning, but does military based planning. And that's like their whole thing. And I, I was thinking that is a niche. Like I had never even considered that that was possible, but they like really enjoyed like their work and we're actually going to school while working like they had that job beforehand and then decided to go back to school to get an advanced degree in planning and I was one I don't know how they got like they had the AICP certification already like they had all this work experience and it was just crazy to talk to someone who was in such a completely different direction as me because I didn't even know that, that existed yeah I was like wow military-based planning <laughs> that exists. <laughs> There's lots out there. Yeah. Um, so I guess pivoting a little bit for people who are thinking about applying to jobs in, um, planning, do you have any like top ticks, ticks, that's, that's <laughs> right. any top tips and tricks for being successful in the job market? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I have, um, I've got lots in my toolbox. <laughs> so I'm gonna just hit some, um, some of the big wave tops. So um, first and foremost, don't just apply to everything um, out there. Um, make and make sure that you're tailoring your cover letters to each specific job um, as well. And then I'll just say once you meet the minimum qualifications for a role, after that, it tends to be all about fit. So <laughs> make sure that you do your research on the organization um, or organizations that you might be interested in working for. Talk to people who work in those companies or those roles to get a better understanding um, of what they do. Often job descriptions can be fairly generic. 
Um, and so it's hard to get a feel for, but what does someone in this role actually do? So that's yeah. where speaking with people or um, even looking at people's, um, you know, their LinkedIn profiles, it sounds a little bit creepy. <laughs> if they're in the field, sometimes they outline exactly what they do in their yeah. job. People who yeah. have similar roles, that can be a good um, way to get some more insight on the job so that you can um, market yourself most effectively yeah. in interviews. Um, yeah. If you're not on LinkedIn, I would suggest probably getting on LinkedIn. Um, I'm not sure how many um, or how much networking activity is happening over uh, TikTok these days. <laughs> Um, but, um, for sure, LinkedIn is still very well used, um, mm -hmm. in, in the industry and even more so among, um, people in more senior levels of the industry. So it's a great way to get access to senior managers and directors that you wouldn't ordinarily otherwise get access to, um, either. And then, I mentioned networking a little bit, um, but the best time to network um, is actually not when you're looking for a job. Um, the best time to network is all the time, um, is preferably ideally long before you're looking for or needing a job. Um, sometimes um, it can be stressful. A lot of people start networking as soon as they're they're actively looking for a job. and the networking can sometimes then feel a bit more transactional. Um, yeah. And often you'll find, I mean, there are some few exceptions where um, there have been some real go-getters that have gone out there and messaged a hundred people and, you know, a handful always message back um, and, and offer some support. Um, but usually it's more of your longer term network where yeah. you'll get those opportunities um, it's the people and, and the importance, I guess, of nurturing your network mm -hmm. too is so important um, because then people will think of you. Um, if you let people know without asking for a job necessarily off the bat, if you let people know, here are my interests, um, that sort of thing, then you'll often be top of mind um, if you keep up with those relationships. And um, that will go um, much farther than what I I call more like cold networking approaches yeah. um, too. And then focus on transferable skill sets. Don't drop McDonald's uh, off your planning resume. Uh, a lot of people do that and then they have next to nothing on their, on their resume, only the studio projects they've done or that type of thing. Um, in planning school. Um, but um, those other jobs that you've had, maybe in the retail or service sector as well, um, they're still important. You don't have to emphasize your skills in flipping burgers, um, but they do show your ability to hold a job, um, responsibility, de uh, definitely dealing with difficult people, which you might have to deal with as a planner, um, and, and getting along with others on teams. Um, mm -hmm. Those types of jobs highlight that. Um, you don't, and, and if you do want to drop them off your resume, sometimes you can say, and I have, you know, five plus years in customer service, mm -hmm. right? experience yeah. as a way to at least um employers prospective employers know that um you're 
you know, firstly employable, right? <laughs> By, um, you know, no matter what the role was. Um, if you're not getting traction in your job search, um, get help early on. Um, go to your career center. If you're a student, um, that's what they're there for. Um, if you end up needing it, explore a career coach. Um, career coaches aren't just for when times are bad, um, but they're also for when times are going good and they can help you to get to that next level just a little more quickly um, and painlessly sometimes. Um, they can impart um, some perspective or learned wisdom. Um, also, you don't need a planning focused career coach. There are many, many out there. Um, the important thing is that you connect with your coach and that they're able to help you with your specific challenges as well. So that's important. Um, it's important to invest in yourself, in your own professional development, your network. Um, these are all things that you take with you now, irrespective of your job. Mm -hmm. um you get to take those with you so this is I have to say going to be hands down my favorite podcast episode that we've ever recorded <laughs> oh my gosh I to the people we've had on before no, no to your I, father I have truly dad I love you so much but um this I just feel really is every person we've had on this episode on on our podcast has really provided such insight but I do have to say in this particular episode, just everything that you're saying is so valuable because like Sam had said earlier, we do have so many listeners that we get emails from almost on a daily basis that are just like, Hey, I'm about to enter the field. And, you know, I'm feeling a lot of uncertainty or I don't really know, you know, how to navigate this space. And so I just feel like everything that you're saying is just so meaningful. And I don't know, I'm really, I'm even taking so much away from it and I'm probably going to listen to it again. Um, <laughs> once it's posted. So, <laughs> um, I just really appreciate everything that you're, you're saying. Um, before I ask the next question, I just had a question that popped up in my head because you had mentioned social media specifically like TikTok. Um, you know, often I've heard folks say, be very careful of what you post on your social media, especially if your social media is public. Um, would you say that that's something that employers do actually consider and look at now? Because social media has taken off, you know, very, quite significantly in the, in the last few years. And I, I am just curious, you know, would you advise people to be very mindful of what they post on their social medias? Yeah. Um, for sure, that is a, a concern these days. And the number one thing that employers do when they're considering you as a candidate is they Google your name and see what comes up. Um, I'm not on TikTok yet. <laughs> yes. That could be a huge market for you. Yeah, uh, honestly. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm not on TikTok. Um, but um I am on LinkedIn. LinkedIn is a much more of a professional crowd um type platform. Um Instagram, I'm also on Instagram and I love Instagram. Um, it's not so, it's harder because you don't know what people do in mm -hmm. planning, like from a career networking mm -hmm. perspective, that sort of thing. Um, but in discussing planning issues or matters, um, I think people feel a lot more freedom to comment on Instagram because their handle 
may not be their name or tied to their professional identity as much. Right. Um, so you get some more candid and authentic um, discussion or like, here's a challenge that I'm facing, like those types of things, people feel like they can be open about it. Whereas if um, I'm, I'm chatting on LinkedIn, I'm commenting on a post there, then my comments tied to me and the organization that I'm working for. Um, so, so that's just a, a side note, but definitely be careful of, um, or put your settings to private, mm-hmm. um, and, and be cautious about, um, your relationships, even with your coworkers, um, and <laughs> letting them into some of your private social media bubbles. I know there's settings you can also use to filter who sees, Mm-hmm. who sees what posts. So as you move into the professional world, you may um, want to use tools like that as well yeah. so that your your boss doesn't see posts of you partying or, or not, not your best self. And not only your boss though, but um, in planning, it could be residents that yeah. are looking yeah. you up as the planner. Um, and um, yeah. And I'm in the club, the resident just like sees me like in the club. They're like, what's, what's going on? That is something (laughs) I had never thought of before, honestly. Yeah. that's Not that I'm like scandalous on like Instagram, but I'm just like, oh, someone could like totally just be like, who is this person at this public meeting? Yeah. Well, and even as a planner, um, for years, um, we've been monitoring social media around development proposals. There are private residence groups yeah. <laughs> out there that are spreading misinformation and that sort of thing. So even in your planning practice work, it's good to keep tabs on what's happening in social media and what people are saying, not so you can go on there and be like, hey, I'm the planner um, and, <laughs> and that's not true or whatever, but so that you can start to prepare responses if you need to, or push out accurate information to, yeah, yeah, as as needed. That's, That's, yeah, yeah. great advice. advice. Um, So, Sam, are you getting kickback? Mm -hmm. Okay, you hear that? No, Um, I don't hear it anymore. Okay, now it's gone. All right. Wait, keep talking? Yeah, um, I don't hear it anymore. So, just kind of transitioning back into, you know, landing a job, getting a job, applying, do you need an advanced degree to work in planning? And this is a complicated question. So we will have a a fun discussion about it, but yeah, I think just the overarching question is, do you, do you think that an advanced degree is, is what's going to get somebody into a position to be an urban planner? Yeah, so I think lots of people come into planning with different backgrounds, different degrees, and it's entirely possible to to even become a planner without a true planning degree. Mm-hmm. Um, you may have a related degree, or you may have pivoted into the field over over some time too. Um, there's certainly value in having a planning degree, whether that's an undergraduate degree or whether that's a graduate level degree as well. Um, it's very much dependent on the type of work that you want to be doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and really the best thing you can do is look at um, the job postings for the type of jobs that you're interested in and see what they're requiring. 
Um, that doesn't always give you the full picture. Um, you may find, um, as a lot of clients that I've, I've worked with over the years have found to sometimes they get outcompeted in the job market when you find out who got that job that I interviewed for, or you get the feedback from, um, from the interviewer saying, yeah, the person we, we hired, um, had a graduate degree. So that was the difference, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, you may get that and that might be a gauge for you to say, maybe you should consider, um, doing an advanced degree. Um, it's definitely not a hard and fast requirement. Um, the only other consideration you might want to think of too, um, is for down the line is that, um, often a lot of entry level positions don't require a graduate level degree. But then you may reach a point where your growth is, is halted because for senior level positions or management positions, um, they're looking for someone who has an advanced degree. Um, so, um, you know, you may want to go straight from an undergraduate degree into a graduate degree so that no matter what, um, you'll have the educational requirements, or you can do your undergraduate degree and go right into planning, but keeping in mind that you may have to either take a pause to do a graduate degree or do a graduate degree part-time while you're working, mm -hmm. um, as well before you get to the next, um, you know, the next more senior opportunity that may require it. Yeah. And I know that Natalie and I have talked about this before on the podcast, but since we kind of both went into our master's program straight out of undergrad, like we are definitely a little bit biased, but I would say just having now gone through most of the program, I would say don't go straight into it unless you're absolutely positive that it is what you want to do because it is a lot of time and money and stress mm -hmm. to kind of go through the program. If, and it's totally possible that like once you're in it, you realize, oh, planning isn't really what I thought it was going to be. Like I kind of didn't realize it was whatever um, your experiences. So I would just say, unless you're like 100% sure, and a lot of people, you know, in the program that were in at least did come straight out of undergrad and they were sure like that, or they were pretty sure that that's what they wanted to do. Mm -hmm. um, I would say, be thoughtful about it before yeah. you commit. <laughs> but also like we've seen too in our program, there are so many people that mm -hmm. have been working in the field and then yeah. decided to go get their, their advanced degree. So like even yeah. to what Sam is saying is like, you don't have to make a decision right off the bat as soon as you're mm -hmm. done with undergrad that like, okay, now I'm going straight to planning. And even I had my public policy degree and I was working for a planning agency for almost three years um, while I was completing that degree. And so I worked for a planning department and didn't have a planning degree and, and it was fine. And they were going to offer me a full-time position, um, before I decided to, to go to grad school. So I do think that there's, it's completely valid for you to take a break or enter the field before you decide to go back to school, because like Sam said, it's intense and it is very time consuming, quite costly. So I think that's great. Yeah, I can just um, jump in there too with my own experience because mm -hmm. 
I uh, had no clue what planning was, even though a lot of my undergraduate degree in environmental studies, um, almost all the courses retrospectively were tied to planning, but the word yeah. planning never actually came up. Yeah. Um, and so I, I worked for a year and then I went into an environmental studies program and they mm-hmm. happened to have a planning program in the school just by coincidence. Um, as the stream. And um, I remember speaking with the graduate programs coordinator at the time and saying, I'm not sure whether the planning program is for me or I should stick with just the general master's in environmental studies. And she's like, well, that depends on if you want to be a planner. And she kept saying to me, if you want to be a planner. And I was like, well, can you tell me more? Like, tell me more. Yeah, like, what does that mean? (laughs) About what that means so I can decide. And I was so frustrated. Um, And I ended up staying in, I did a first semester in the general master's in environmental studies, but I was working at the same time in municipal sustainability. And my director happened to be a planner and he involved me in some early days sustainable development Mm -hmm guidelines and work. Um, and then it just clicked for me. It's like, oh, this is planning work. Mm-hmm. And through the built environment, you can actually affect things like sustainable behaviors mm-hmm. um, or addressing climate change or that type of thing. And so then in the second semester, I was able to switch into the planning program. Um, so just you know, wait until the time is right for you. Or um, if you know that um, planning is for you, and there will always be that opportunity there as well. Absolutely. Um, Okay, so our next question is kind of like packs a punch, but what are like, three qualities that you feel are really important that employers are looking for with a new hire? And this could be like specific to planning or just like in general, I feel like either way it will be really helpful because I just feel like for a lot of people, the whole like applying for jobs and employer process is very mysterious and we don't really know a lot about like what goes on behind the scenes. Interestingly um, enough, nothing I'm going to say about this is related at all to technical planning skills um, or planning experience, (laughs) although experience definitely helps um, in any shape or form, whether it's an internship or just applied project Mm -hmm. um, work too. That's certainly helpful. But um, I would say the three qualities Um, that employers are looking for when they are hiring um, are number one, just enthusiasm for the job. Um, Not that it's, um, and this is where a lot of people get it wrong, is not that um, it's a planning role, Mm -hmm. but um, employers these days really want to feel desired (laughs) and feel like they are the chosen ones. Um, so they want to see what your enthusiasm is for that particular role with that particular organization, um, is, is number one. Um, and sort of leading on that is a growth mindset, um, or attitude that you are willing to work to improve your skills and qualifications as needed. Um, I think a little humility goes a long way. Um, and if you can 
balance confidence with humility um, in your interviews, you will be way um, farther ahead, I think. Um, and then just thirdly, interpersonal skills. So teamwork um, is, is so, so important in school. You get a lot of group work um, in planning programs. Um, and that's really preparing you for the real world. Planners work with different disciplines. They work with planning peers, but they also work with different disciplines, architects, engineers, different municipal departments or agencies um, as well, the public. And so your ability, your communication skills, your interpersonal skills, um, you know, their employers are looking for, can you get along with others, with staff, with clients? Um, they're looking for empathy. Um, employers don't want troublemakers. <laughs> So they, um, they have enough of that, I think, with um, politicians or the public or clients um, that, um, you know, they don't want their employees to be troublemakers or um, to cause extra burden on management or affect the team dynamics. Um, so they're really looking for team players um, and uh, people who get along well with others. Um. Yeah, you had sorry. mentioned, no, don't be sorry, Sam. Um, you had mentioned initially just like enthusiasm and more specifically enthusiasm catered towards whatever job you're applying for. And I do think that that's so important because I remember when I was applying for my most recent job that I have now, I was reading about the organization and the specific department that I was applying for. And they had this really interesting new policy that had come out and it was very specific towards housing goals that they had set for the organization. And I remember I had read that. And so in my interview, I was talking to the hiring manager and I was telling him about how I had just read that they passed this new policy and how amazing it was and just how significant housing is in the space of planning because we're currently in a housing crisis in the state of California and we're actually in a housing crisis pretty much everywhere in the United States. And so I kind of talked about that and just how, how much I wanted to work for that organization because they they were one of the only organizations I had seen that had a proactive goal to really address the housing crisis. And I remember I was talking to my manager most recently and um, they had mentioned that that was one thing that really stood out in my interview was the fact that I did touch upon that and not only touched upon the fact that I had done research about the organization, but that I personally had taken something, you know, taken account of the fact that that really did align with my own personal goals and my own desire for what I wanted to do with my job. And so I do think that's such a great piece of advice um, and something that I just resonated with what you were saying. Um, and Sam, I don't know if you had something to add. I'm sorry if I interrupted you. No, no, you're good. I just, um, well, Natalie firsthand saw me kind of schmooze up to some of the um, hiring <laughs> managers that I had previously applied for jobs for when I, when we were at an event together and I, I just slightly different than that, but also still showing enthusiasm. I actually, the firm that I currently work for, I had applied for a summer internship and I went through a few rounds of interviews and then I ended up not getting the internship and I was really bummed because I really wanted this job mm -hmm. and I kept in contact with the hiring manager. And I basically, when they, 
when I thought they they would be recruiting for fall, I reached back out and I said, hi, I am still working with this agency, but I'm really like, I would really love the opportunity to work with you all um, in the LA office, blah, blah, blah. And so we had a check-in call uh, where I just kind of brought the hiring manager up to speed on what I had been up to the projects I'd worked on since I last interviewed. And then when Natalie and I were at this event, the hiring manager actually came up to me and was like, hi, like, so nice to meet you in person. Cause this was all over zoom because COVID and everything. And we talked just casually because we were kind of at like a social event. And then like three days later, I got an offer for the fall internship. And so I think another thing that I have learned because I have been rejected from a lot of jobs but like I've just applied for a lot of like when I apply I try to kind of cast a wide net and also reach out to hiring managers and try to get to know them but it, it it's totally possible that if you don't get a job and you still really want it like just keep in contact like kind of how you're saying like nurture your network like I think that my kind of showing that I was still interested even after I was denied turned down was something that really stuck out to this hiring manager and made them definitely feel wanted by me so I would say that's really important and I tried to not get too in my head about not getting the job the first time and I think that's hard too because often like it's it's a form of rejection like it kind of it kind of hits a little yeah it stings a little it hurts it's like dang like why why didn't you why me me? (laughs) but I do think just to what you were saying no sometimes just means not right now and if you don't stay in contact you're never going to know if you'll have that opportunity again so I feel like you should never just take rejection at face value and just say okay well that's it and there's never going to be another opportunity I think doing exactly what you did is really important Um, Yeah, I just wanted to put in that story because I feel like it could help someone who might also be feeling like a little bit dejected from like not getting a role that you're excited about. But like, you never know. Uh, I work with both of the interns that did get hired in the summer and they are fantastic people and so, so, so smart. And I do not feel bad anymore about like not getting the job when I got rejected because they are both extremely qualified. and. I just feel lucky to like be in the space now. So yeah, I don't really know how that story was going to (laughs) end. Well, I guess it'll be a transition to our next question. Yeah. Um, So Christy, what kind of last bit of advice would you give to young planners and people early in their career, just some key takeaways that you would really want to hammer home in this episode. Yeah. And I think that that little story that Sam shared, um, is actually a great kicking off point. Um, so perseverance, and I know the same kind of thing has happened to me in the past, um, where I haven't gotten a job and then I have gotten a job at the same place a little while later. Um, and, um, it it shows a lot, like what you said, if people are still interested, even if they don't get the job offer, um, it does say a lot about your character. It can mean no, not right now. Um, 
it, and if you've interviewed for a company, you also have an advantage at knowing a bit more about the company, knowing their interview style, that sort of thing, yeah. so that your chances of being successful down the line um, are much higher. And then the other thing I would say too is that hiring managers feel terrible when they don't hire someone. And so they're more than willing to stay connected or to provide mm -hmm. you advice if you reach out. A lot of people don't reach out. Their feelings are hurt, um, that sort of thing. And they just say, oh, I guess that company doesn't want me and I'm going to move on. Yeah. Um, but often hiring managers are very gracious um, for candidates who don't get the position. And um, I, I've also even had clients where through follow-ups, um, they've gotten referrals to other positions in the company or to contacts who were hiring that in the job may be a little better suited, yeah. um, too. And then just remembering, like not being so tied to outcome in interviews. It's like every interview is such a great opportunity to learn more about this organization um, and remember, interviews are two-way interviews. Mm -hmm. It cannot feel that way when you're a recent graduate or when you're starting out, you're just feeling like, oh, I'd be lucky to get this job. But it's a two-way process for you to learn more about the company, to learn whether it would be a good fit for you yeah. um, as well. And sometimes when they say no to you, they're saving you from a position that wouldn't have been a good fit for yeah. your personality, your interests, your skill sets. Mm -hmm. um, that you just might not have known, um, that either. So, um, I am so glad that you shared that too. Um, other advice for, um, I don't like young planners. <laughs> I feel like <laughs> a lot of, um, there are a lot of people who go to graduate school quite some time after or that yeah. are pivoting into the field. So early career, early planning career, yes. um, <laughs> professionals, um, it's like, remember your why as well. Um, so sometimes over time, um, your passion might wane a little bit, but remembering why you came into planning or why you loved this work can mm -hmm. help be fuel um, on the tough days too, on the days where maybe you're not getting interviews, on the tough work days um, where you're questioning maybe, why did I get into this? What am I doing here? Um, remembering that can help, um, accepting that your path might not be linear. Um, mm -hmm. you may have to take an, uh, you know, some people have to take an unrelated job to pay the bills and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, yeah. but in, in those cases, just do what you can to keep a toe in the planning world. Mm -hmm. Um, you can do that through volunteering. You can do that through continuing your education, taking some planetism courses, <laughs> whatever to keep. Keep your pulse on what's happening, attending yeah. workshops or conferences, keep on talking to people. Um, the same applies also conversely if you're making a pivot into planning from another career mm -hmm. um, as well as you may be still for a period of time in your previous career, but you know, trying to get more and more bit by bit over yeah. into the planning world. Um, explore a lot early on in your career. Um, I say that early on in your career, but always be exploring. You should always be keeping your eye out on what kinds of jobs are out there. What kind of interesting people, maybe my interests have changed over, yeah. over this time. Like just because you have a certain interest going into school doesn't mean you have to stick with 
that interest. Um, mm-hmm. Often you don't know what you don't know. And you, you only have so many courses in planning school um, that you can take and you can't touch on every area of planning. And you might find that you really love some other area of planning, or you might get into a planning role and find like, this is a lot of like procedural stuff and I don't love procedural stuff. And so maybe this isn't the right fit for me. Um, you don't have to write off planning altogether because as I said before, there is, I think I do believe firmly that there is, um, something for everyone (laughs) and you don't have to leave the profession to find work conditions that are suitable to you. Um, sorry about that. I'll just repeat that. (laughs) You don't have to, um, leave the profession necessarily to, um, to find work conditions that are best suited for you, either in the type of work that you're doing mm-hmm. um, or flexibility or the area of interest, um, those things too. Um, if you're not loving the area of planning that you're in, don't mm-hmm. stay too long in that area because yeah. then that can cement you even more as your most relevant experience or mm-hmm. your most significant experience. Um, you have agency and you have options, um, out there. So you can explore those, um, as well. Oh, and finally, just, um, you don't have to have the job title planner to be a true planner and you don't need to have a job to call yourself a planner. So start calling yourself a planner, Um, even if you're a planning student, you're a planner as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's important. I feel like, especially as students, it's easy to feel like, oh, well, we're not there yet. We're not actually planners yet because we're not master of urban planning, whatever. But I do feel like, especially as I've kind of gotten into more, um, like work experience and professional experience that I am a planner and I try to own that now. Um, but we have kind of a last question that has kind of come up in um, like emails that we've gotten and just experiences. So it's a little bit more specific, but what would you advise someone to do who is currently struggling like in their work environment, but really loves like the work and the like mission? of the work that they're doing. All right. Um, So if it's a, I have a couple of different answers for this. If it's a personal struggle with the work environment, like maybe you're having a hard time getting, um, you know, up to speed or those types of things, you're feeling like you're not as competent um, in your role. Can you work on your skill sets? Can you get feedback from your manager on, um, you know, do maybe I need some extra training or who can I shadow or work with that's going to get me up to speed so that I am feeling confident in the work that I'm doing because I love the work. Um, I want to be in this position. So there's some of that. Um, if you're struggling because your work environment is toxic or it doesn't really, it's not a good gel or a fit for you, but you, you totally love the work that you're doing. Um, there's a couple of, of things I would just ask you to reflect on. And, um, I guess, firstly, can you shift your perspective in that? Um, is there anything in there, um, 
often gratitude can really help, you know, that was a really challenging resident and the outcome could have been a lot worse, but I handled that the best I could in the situation. Um, that sort of thing. Are there things that you can do personally to improve the work environment or to protect yourself? Right? Are there boundaries that you can put in place? Um, this might be hard as a newer professional as well. If you don't feel like you have the confidence or um, or the power in your organization to push back or to set boundaries, but boundaries don't have to be like pushy and and firm and that sort of thing um, either. Um, you know, can you, you know, and then you have to think of, can you still do that same type of work in a different work environment as well? So if it's really not a fit and you can't do things in your own agency to improve, I don't want to say improve the work environment, but improve the work conditions for yourself in that environment um, so that it is something that you can, can deal with and manage. Sometimes it's shifting divisions um, if there's a spot available or, you know, definitely speaking with your manager is sort of a first line um, there before just jumping ship and leaving and leaving um, an area. But if you're not getting traction, um, then thinking about are there other places, other work environments that do align with my values um, that aren't toxic where I can do this type of work? Um, and be valued for that work. Um, also asking someone outside of your organization, this is where you can rely on like maybe your peers that you went to school with in planning that are now all out there in the planning world, working at different companies. Um, and they know a bit more about, you know, oh, the culture in my workplace is like this, or um, in speaking with others. Um, you know, sometimes other planners can empath uh, empathize, sorry, better with you um, than your partner or your family or non-planner friends might be able to. They can give you some additional perspective mm -hmm. um, as well. Um, and then something else that's sort of a safeguard against that is just always keeping your eye out for opportunities. Mm -hmm. um, you're never stuck with where you are. Um, and I think your first job doesn't have to be your forever job. Yeah. It can be a stepping stone um, yeah. to something else. Um, and you can take what skills you gain or experience you have from that situation. Usually there's always something that you've gained in that, mm -hmm. in that work environment or that situation that you can take with you to improve your situation and move on to a different role um as well this has been such great advice and i will be listening to the podcast on monday with everybody else <laughs> one more time <laughs> um thank you so much for just going over all of this information with us we really appreciate you taking the time i think there's so much to be gained from this episode. I've already gained so much. I know I'm sure Sam has as well. And we just want to thank you so much for being here and just taking the time to sit with us and, and talk about, you know, careers and planning and what's possible, what's out there. And, you know, just giving such amazing advice. Thank you so much, Christy. Thanks so, so much for having me. I hope your listeners get even a couple of little um, tidbits 
gets their perspective from this and they probably will get them from your story sharing rather than mine. Um, but, but yeah, thanks again so much for having me on the podcast. Yeah. And if anyone needs a coach. Yes, seriously. Yeah, Christy, <laughs> Christy, I'll be reaching out. I'm just <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. We really hope that you enjoyed this episode of Urban Planning is Not Boring. If you did, please remember to send us to your friends and follow us uh, wherever you get your podcasts. Remember guys, urban planning is not boring. No, it is not.